You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Amen. Well, come with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. And uh, if, if you're like, hang on, if you're doing the one-year study Bible, Pastor, this was in your read this morning. I thought you were, well, it's not going to get any fresher than this is what I read this morning. I'm going to deliver it to you. I wanted, to, I wanted to, uh, to, to prepare yesterday, so you would have got something from what I studied yesterday for today. But um, we have our brother-in-law staying with us, and he wanted, desperately wanted to beat me in pool. So every time I'd whoop him, he'd want another game and another game. And so I think I crawled into bed just before midnight when I sunk the black, and then the white followed. And so he finally won. So I'm like, now can I go to bed? So anyway... <laughs> So, so anyway, the, the, the title of this message this morning is The Unchanging One, The Unchanging One. How, how many people know that God is the unchanging one? If you've if you got your Bibles, go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Well, probably the thing that I love most about God is he's not moody. Uh, probably one of the biggest struggles Leanne has with me is I've never seen myself as moody, but... Apparently, there are moments where I'm quite moody. And, and the truth is, her discernment is correct. It's not that she is incorrectly discerning. Her discernment is correct. And I don't like it about me that, that you know, I'm not the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, God says, I am the unchanging one. I am the Lord, and I do not change. He is the unchanging one. I like that because... That, that gives me security and it gives me confidence that whenever I go to God, I know that he doesn't change it. I know that he is not moody. I know that he's not, you know, he didn't wake up on the wrong side of the, don't go near God today. <laughs> you know, he's grumpy. You know, that the, 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 the God is the unchanging one. The reason he's the unchanging one is because don't mess with perfection. And it's just kind of important to say that because it almost sounds sacrilegious but you need to understand he is perfect. He is perfect in all his ways. He is perfect. Worship is a look into his perfection. When you worship, you and I have access to catch a glimpse of his perfection. As you catch a glimpse of his perfection, you'll find that two things take place. The first one, is that there is an awe that happens on the inside of you. The second one is that there's an impartation. The angels in heaven who gaze into the glory of God called one another holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The word holy means unique, totally unlike anything else. For something to be holy, it is set apart. And when the, when the angels look at God, and they've been looking at him for a trillion years or more, they're still blown away like, holy. My God, have you seen anything like this? Holy. And the other angel, holy. And the other angel, holy is the Lord Almighty. That's, that's our greatest assessment. Totally unique. Totally unlike anything else. He is the, the pinnacle of perfection. He's the pinnacle of perfection. So I, I like that I can go to a God who is holy who is unchanging. So let me just give you three quick, quick thoughts. Exodus 34 is the reading today if, if you're doing the one-year Bible. Uh, let's go to verse 10. Verse 10 in Exodus 34 says, and I'm reading from the New King James, same translation Jesus used. 
Always just try and just. And he said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. How awesome is that? Verse 11, observe. How many people know that for every promise of God, there's a premise? For every promise, every promise of God is unlocked with a premise. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, then I will answer from heaven. I'll hear from heaven. I'll answer and I will deliver them, forgive them and heal their land. So God has a promise, but every promise is unlocked with the premise. And so God says here, this is what I want to do. But verse 11 says, observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. And then it goes on and says, you know, take heed for yourself lest you make covenants with them and, and you, you end up getting led astray by your culture. You end up getting led astray by the world around about you and you end up diluting and compromising your life. How many people know that God is holy? God calls us to be holy. God calls us to be holy. And what, what he says here is, I will deliver you from all the things around about you. I don't know about you, if, if there's one thing that I'm grateful for, it's my salvation. But I got saved 34 years ago on a beach. The most beautiful thing about Jesus Christ, and that's why we're not just a, let's just preach a very, very uh, light surface, you know, gospel, just, hey, it's not about you anymore, it's about the lost. And every week we just preach Jesus, you know, get saved, salvation message, get saved. You're not really fed, but hey, we want you to come and spectate. And if you won't come and spectate while we get other people saved, then we're just going to manipulate you and tell you that your heart's hard or whatever. But we're actually called to make disciples. So the salvation flows out of that, you know, because we're making disciples. And if, as you walk with the Lord, as you walk with God, you'll find his blessings will overshadow you. And so people are like, man, I want those blessings. Well, you've got to get yourself saved. So then we have an altar call, but we're not going to throw out discipleship for salvation. We do discipleship and then salvation flows. Does that make sense? And so, so uh, God is holy, but God doesn't just save us. He also delivers us. He delivers us. I'm constantly being delivered, constantly being delivered. God is a deliverance God. How many people thank God you weren't who you were even a year ago? Six months ago, five years ago, God is continually. So even though you got saved, born again, name written in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to heaven. I thank God that we have a church where the Holy Ghost is continually able to minister, that we give him free, we give him a free pass. Just, just knock yourself out. Whatever you see in me that is an obstruction, whatever you see in me that is a dysfunction, whatever you see in me that is a hindrance, whatever you see in me that might be an opposition, you have, you have carte blanche, you have complaints. 100% uh, permission, dig down, rip it out, because I don't want, if there's anything hindering me from being all that I can be for, 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 for you, dig down, rip it out, I'm partnering with you, no matter how painful somebody say amen. amen. And so that, that's our conse consecration. And so we always need to take stock because does our life reflect more the value systems of the kingdom of this world 
then our life reflect the value systems of the kingdom of God. Because that's, that's the great litmus test. The great lit, litmus test is, do I look more like the world or do I look more like heaven? Do I, do I look more like the patterns or the kingdoms of this world? Is my language in line with that or is my language in line with heaven? If you can bring heaven's language, you will shift things on earth. But you can't bring earth's language and shift things in heaven. In my reading yesterday, it was just, the Bible is so comical. It is hilarious. Hilarious. Moses has gone up onto a mountain. He's, he's, he's standing before God because the people said, you know, God says, you know, bring all the people. And then when God spoke and, you know, he came down and there was fire and there was, you know, thunder and everything, the people freaked out. And they're like, no, Moses, you go, you go. Well, whatever he tells you to do, we'll just do it. We don't want to, unless he kills us. And so Moses was like, all right. So Moses goes up. So Moses goes up. And the people who were saying, hey, you go up, whatever he tells you to do, we'll do. Now, because he's been gone for 40 days, they come to Aaron, who's the priest. Aaron is the priest. So just, just substitute the word priest for pastor. This is, the great, this is the great pressure. This is the great temptation. This is the great battle. This is the great struggle with every pastor. No matter how deep the V, no matter how tight the skinny jeans, no matter how much Hebrew ink, this is the struggle with it for every pastor. Watch this. So Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, get, you know, getting, getting the, the, the download from God. The people come to Aaron, the priest, the pastor, and they say, hey, as for this Moses dude, we don't know what has become of him. Why don't you make us some gods that we can worship and that can lead us? Now, hang on, hang on. As for this Moses dude, are you talking about the same Moses that ended 400 years of freaking slavery? You're talking about, you're talking about that Moses? Are you talking about the Moses who went and took on Pharaoh. Ten judgments. Are you talking about the, are you talking about the Moses where, where you, when you came up to the Red Sea and the entire Egyptian military were coming up and you were whining like little, saying it would have been better for us to die in Egypt, you know, that you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. And then Moses stretched out his rod and opened the Red Sea and you went through. And when the, the Egyptians came in with their, with their military might came in afterwards, God was taking the wheels off so they kept getting stuck and bogged. And then he brought the whole ocean back on them and drowned them all. Are you talking about this Moses who then struck the rock and brought water out and the Moses lifted his rod and brought manna and quiet? Are you talking... Oh, oh, this Moses. The same. Yeah, we don't know what's happened to him. He's, he's probably dead. Make us some gods. Make us some, make us some gods that we can work. Like, whatever happened to, hey, let's send a search party. Whatever happened to, do you think maybe he sprained his leg? You know, and he's, do you think he was bitten by a rattler? And, and we need to get up there with a, this they're not even looking for him. They're not sending a search party. It's like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> Who knows what's happened to him? Anyway, move on. Can you believe that? They're, they're already... Where's your gratitude, you bunch of ingrat... Anyway, so, so Aaron, what does Aaron do? Does anyone know the story? He takes off their gold earrings. 
And then he makes two golden calves, saying, these are the gods that brought you. And, you know, they'll start worshipping, which I just thought is so powerful. Because if you look at the people, the people had a religious zeal. It wasn't like, hey, hey, we don't know what happened to Moses. We've adopted atheism. We've become Darwinians. They're like, hey, make us some gods. Like refabricate God that, that can lead us, that can take us forward. Like we don't know what's happened to Moses. You, you're the priest. You're the, you're the man. You be the leader. And Aaron does something that I believe is, is the temptation for every pastor. He, he appeases the request of the people rather than his job as the priest was to execute what the prophet Moses was the prophet. Moses was the one hearing from heaven, bringing the law of the kingdom of heaven into the earth. He, as the priest, allowed the earth to dictate the edicts, the morality, the policy, the gods. We always want to be a church that does not what the world says we ought to do, but what God says we ought to do. Come on, somebody. That, hey, we ain't changing the word of God. So that's the first one, first one. <laughs> number, number two, number two, I love this one. Seek first the kingdom of God. One of the other unchanging things about God is in the New Testament, we see Jesus speaking, saying, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So in Exodus 34, verse 23 and 24, 23 and 24, it says, uh, three times in the year, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. In other words, God is saying, hey, there are three times I want you to put down your tools, put down everything, and all the men are come and they're to have a one-week feast. And it's a feast where you're... You're feasting, you're connecting, you're bonding, and you're worshiping. Now, if you say, whoa, 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 hang on. If all the men are down at the temple worshiping, that, 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 that's three weeks in the year. We are vulnerable for, 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 you know, to, for the Syrians to come in. We're vulnerable for the Egyptians. We're vulnerable for the Palestinians. We're vulnerable to all the other nations. And God says, no, 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 while you're worshiping. You could almost you know, retitle that, while you were worshiping. You had no idea what I was doing. While you were worshiping, I was driving out the nations. While you were worshiping, I was protecting your land. While you were worshiping, I was protecting your home. While you were worshiping, I was protecting your family. While you were worshiping, I was making sure that, the, that you're, 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 you were bringing fruit forth from your... While you were worshiping, your lambs were, were being brought forth. While you were worshiping, I put fruit on the vine. While you were worshiping, I caused the underground springs to flow towards your vineyards. While you were worshiping, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Be careful of the, the commentary of the world. You know, uh, uh, last year they, they did a, a, a current affair thing on C3 church, you know, as though that, you know, like the, the whole motivation is that, that we get into this thing for money. And what we're looking for is, is these, you know, low IQ people that can be easily manipulated. And actually, it's so funny, the hypocrisy, because whatever, whatever you judge, that's what you practice. So anybody that actually believes these idiots on a current affair. Let me just double down in, in case it's being recorded. These morons 
on a current affair because they, that's exact. anybody, the only people who believe the claptrap they spew out is low IQ people, people who were bent and broken or whatever. So I remember, I remember a number of years ago, over a decade ago, uh, beautiful pastor Darlene Czech, who's been here many times, was, was at the Australian Music Awards. And the number one selling artist wasn't anyone in the Australian secular charts. It was Darlene Check. And they're like, hang on, who, who, who is this woman who sold 6.4 million albums? Out, out did Natty Imbruglia and um, uh, uh, come, come, come into my world. Kylie Minogue. Out did Kylie Minogue, you know, out did all of the, I just know the song. <laughs> she, she outsold all of them. And so they're scratching their heads because they're in the kingdom of Nimrod which give awards to each other. And they're like, who is, who is this one who is not of our kingdom outselling us in the world? Darlene Check. More than 50 million people around the world play Hillsong songs every week in their church services. So they, they do these things, oh, Hillsong's annual income is, you know, millions, as though it is, no, no. These idiots, because, and I call them idiots because they don't read the Bible, or if they read it, they don't believe it. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Hillsong just want to write songs that bring people into an encounter with God because they are so proficient at writing songs that move hearts and that, that bring people into an experience that literally open the portal, that open the stargate between two realities, between a heavenly re reality and an earth real earthly reality. People experience God. People experience breakthrough. So people buy those things so the money follows. They don't chase the money. They chase God. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I just encourage you? God knows. Jesus says, God knows the things that you need. Food, clothing, housing, share. He knows all of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The things that the world has to pursue, you'll find that God will just keep adding. God will just be, you'll be in the right place at the right time and you just met the right person who has the right contact, who has the right connection, who has the right access. And it's like, my God, I didn't have to chase that. I didn't have to run that. Come on, how many people have already experienced that where you didn't have to chase it? You've got a God. The earth and the heavens belong to him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. The last one, number three. Number three, go down to uh, chapter 35, verse four and five. Verse four and five. This one again is so funny. In verse four and five, and Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, all right. So what has God commanded? Verse five, take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, verse six, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, seven ram skins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, sweet incense, onyx stones, stones to sit in the ephod and the breastplate. And it goes through and diamonds and jewelry and, and hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Calm down a little bit there. They were slaves for 400 years. And now you're going to take an offering? 
Are you serious? You're taking an offering from slaves. What kind of a God would take an offering? What kind of a God would command Moses and say, hey, tell them, everyone with a willing heart, bring an offering? Like, don't you realize they were slaves for 400 years? Number three, point number three, God is a futurist. Let me just say that God wants to make you a futurist because God lives in three states simultaneously. God lives in your past. He's doing a wonderful job mopping mine up. <laughs> God lives in your present. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. But God is also in your future. The Bible is the only book that has got future things written in a past context. The Bible tells us about a one-world government, about everyone being forced, rich or poor, free or slave, great or not so great, to receive a mark on their right hand on their forehead, lest they can't worship the image of the beast. It talks about it in the future. It's a future thing, but it's written in a past tense, like it has already happened. God is already at your end. Now, I know there's a saying that, you know, tomorrow's no guarantee. You know, the future's not certain. Like, you know, you, to, and it's a great evangelist line. Hey, no one's guaranteed a tomorrow. What if you die tonight? Oh, I better give me, you know. And it's a, it's a brilliant line. And the truth is, if, if you're not a Christian, tomorrow's not a guarantee. But my Bible tells me that if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, the, 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 the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, God, who lives in past, present, and future, says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, even though God pours his spirit out on all flesh, not all flesh allows the spirit to reside, allows the spirit to abide, allows the spirit to inhabit. God pours out his spirit, but most people reject his spirit because it's going to interfere and mess with their lifestyle. When the Holy Spirit came, they felt convicted for stuff they were doing, and they'd rather keep doing the stuff than feel the, and get, so they reject. But it doesn't stop God from pouring out. God is an equal opportunity God. God gives everybody the opportunity to get saved. He pours out his spirit on everybody. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But watch this. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. What is prophesy? Prophesy is, I want you to shoot a word into your future. I'm going to put into your mouth words concerning your future so that you can shoot a word into your future that is like an arrow with a rope attached to it that goes ding, 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 into your future that you can begin to pull yourself forward because you're going to face some trials and you're going to face some challenges and you're going to have some persecutions and some people are going to be jealous of you, Joseph, and they're going to try and say, well, we don't want that dream to come to pass, so we're going to sell you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to throw you into a pit. We're even going to plot to kill you and you're going to be taken down to Egypt and you're going to be abandoned and forgotten. We're going to even lie to your daddy and tell you you're dead. But, but he had words in the future that he could hold on to himself. So, so you need to understand, you need to understand that if you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, if you are born again, you are a futurist because not only does God put words, prophetic words in your mouth so you can prophesy, the Bible says uh, old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Dreams are architects of the future. Visions are engineers of the future. God is a futurist God. God is a futurist God. So why would God, why would God require an offering? You would think if anybody 
was exempt. If anybody, if you could just kind of tap God and say, excuse me, God, <laughs> love your zeal. <laughs> Little carried away though. Uh, they've been slaves for 400 years. They ain't got jack. For 400 years, no salary. They weren't paid wages. They weren't allowed to flourish and prosper. But God is like, no, 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 no. You need to understand something. I'm taking an offering because I'm not looking at their past. I'm taking an offering because I'm unlocking their future. I need them to give and I'm going to get them to give. Every time you give, listen, when you give, yes, it leaves your hand, but it does not leave your life. Every time you give, it leaves your hand, yes, but it does not leave your life. When you give, it goes into your future where it multiplies and is waiting for... Jochebed, Jochebed, Moses' mama, puts Moses in a basket and she sends him down the river and she gives him to God. She has no idea that what she gives to God even though it left her hand, does not leave her life. It just goes into her future where it grows, where it multiplies. It was a little three-month-old baby in a basket, but it comes back as an 80-year-old deliverer. It comes back as Moses the conqueror with the rod of God and delivers an entire nation out of bondage, out of the grip of Pharaoh. When she released it, yes, it left her hand, but it did not leave her life. And the devil's a liar. He wants you to believe that that when you give, whenever you give, the aggregate is lost. The ledger says, well, oh, you're giving all that money to the church. Well, you just, you just lost all that money. No, no, you never lost anything. Every time you give, it goes into your future where it grows, where it multiplies. It comes back. Give and it will be pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. I remember we, we <laughs> when the GFC hit, had a, had a well-meaning friend say, <laughs> I bet you're not teaching on the offering so, so strongly now. I'm like, why wouldn't I? You're it was the GFC. People are struggling financially. I said, exactly. I said, man, when everyone's flourishing, it didn't matter what I preached. But in a time where GFC and, and financial crises and famine, man, if anything, that's the time to teach people, seek first the kingdom and, his, and all these things. That'll be the, the, that's the time to say, hey, listen, if you can't look to the ground because the ground ain't producing, bring your tithe and test me now in this. If I will open the windows of heaven, we need, you, you don't need a ground that's not producing and shut heavens in a time of drought and famine. If the ground's not producing, your only hope is bring your tithe so you can open heaven and pour down such blessing that the governments can't tax it. God is the unchanging God. It's so, it's so beautiful because, you know, God's like, God's like, you know what? I'm going to pour out the Holy Ghost on the Gentiles. Jesus has risen from the dead, sat down at the, the right hand of the Father. And Jesus says, it's important that I go because unless I go, I can't send the helper. And like, who's the helper? He's like the Holy Ghost. So when, literally when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, he tagged the Holy Ghost, you're it. And the Holy Ghost goes and comes into the earth. So Jesus sat down, the Holy Ghost came. It's his turn. We're in the age of the Holy Ghost. So God's like, mm. now, 
I'm going to baptize the Gentiles with the Holy Ghost. Who's first? Ah, oh, man. Who's the first Gentile that I should give the Holy Ghost? And, and Gabriel comes in. Oh, 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 Lord, um, uh, this is crazy. What, what is it, Gabriel? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but this guy down there called Cornelius. He's a centurion. And look at this. Look on his ledger. And God's like, my gosh, look at all these prayers. And look at his generosity. Look at his giving. He's, he's, not, he's not saved. No, no, he's not. He's not, in, he's not in Israel. No, he's not in Israel. But look at his heart. The Bible says that they, they went down to Joppa, to the house of Simon the Tanner, to, and, and God gave Peter a vision that men are going to come knock there. And he tells these men, go down and summon Peter. He's going to lay hands on Cornelius. And when Peter gets there, he says, hey, listen, an angel appeared to me and told me I need to pray for you. And he helped me with my paradigm because I thought the Gentiles were unclean. And three times a sheep came down with all these animals, four-footed creatures. And God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And three times I said, no, God, I've never done. And then God says, don't call unclean that which I've called. And then I realized he's going to pour out the Holy Ghost on the Gentiles. And I'm thinking to myself, who's the first Gentile? And then this is what God showed me. Your prayers and your giving has come up before God as a memorial. And Cornelius you're going to be the first one to receive the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands. And when he prays for him, and the Bible says, when the people saw that the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles, they marveled saying, wow, what grace is this of God that even now the Gentiles are able to become into the covenant. What was it? Was the giving leaving his hand and leaving his life? No, it was leaving his hand, but it never left his life. It left his hand and it went into his future where it came up as a memorial before that devil's a liar yes absolutely if you're not a christian tomorrow's not a guarantee but if you're a christian guess what guess what if you're a christian guess what you're already prophesying you're already god wants to give you visions and dreams about your future he wants you to shoot words into your future don't 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 believe well you know case sarah sarah whatever will be will be you know well you know whatever no no you you can begin to shape you can begin to prophesy. Right now, you may be, it may be a, a dry marriage. It may be a tough season in your marriage. When, when we were up at, at Napa, and look, honestly, I don't do this on purpose. When we go to, to Napa or we're in Temecula two weeks ago, I don't look for sermon illustrations to justify the fact that I'm wine drinking. Oh, shoot. Um... Pastor Victoria Heinrich said to me, hey, pastor, we've been to three vineyards. One guy had been married to his wife 61 years, another one 54 years, another one 57 years. She says, what is it about these wine producers that they stay married? Did you notice that? All of them. In fact, two of the, 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 the wine owners had named one of the wines after their spouse. And she's like, what, what is that? And so we're listening, and this, this guy was telling us how... Um, you know, he hasn't tasted the 2014 vintage yet. And so I'm like, why not? He goes, because we haven't released it. I'm like, hello, you guys are a bit behind. Jesse, at fire you're at. You know, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. And uh, he goes, no, no, because it takes five years to make a good wine. He says, but I'm so looking forward to the 2014. I said, why would you be looking for? He goes, well, in 2014, we had the severest drought. And then in the winter, we had one of the most 
the most uh, obscene frosts. What happens in a frost, the only grapes that survive are the grapes that can thicken their skin to survive the frost. And then in a drought, it puts so much stress on the vines because the roots have to go down deep to try and find water that when they do find water, those, those vines that have been so stressed, it literally multiplies the flavor and the potency of the grapes. He says the 2014 is going to be an unbelievable vintage. I can't wait to taste it. And then it hit me. No wonder these guys stay married. Most people leave the marriage because of a drought. Most people leave a marriage because of a frost. But not a wine guy. A wine guy knows when he walks through a drought season in his marriage or a frost season in his marriage, the last thing he's going to do is divorce her. Because he knows in five years' time, holy sh the greatest vintage. The greatest vintage. Why would I let somebody else drink? The vintage is going to be produced from this drought and this frost. I'd be an idiot. Whatever you're walking through today, whatever you're going through today, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep prophesying. Keep prophesying. Keep prophesying. Keep prophesying. Maybe your kids are away from God. Maybe your kids are far from God. You can keep prophesying. I'm telling you, sometimes that's all I've had left. That's all I've had left. But I realize if that's all I've got left, it's because it's all I need. There is nothing more powerful than His Word. The world bends towards His Word. Lord, if it is you, command me to come. One word, come. And a man gets out and walks on water, does the impossible. One word, one word. How many times are you speaking words over your future? You have the power to bless and to curse. Man, we're never going to get a home and say, I don't think I'm always going to be overlooked. I don't think I'll ever be missed. I don't think I'll ever. Do you know the sad thing is we're never not prophesying. You're never not prophesying. Prophesy, son. The greatest thing you can do is ch -ch load your mouth with his word. Shoot it into your future. Shoot it in your future. But what if I don't believe it? I've got to tell you, 90% of the words that I've sent in my future, I struggled because of the brokenness in my own heart to believe that this could even be possible, this could even be true. But I don't want to live proving myself right. Under, underachieving. I want to live proving him right. That his grace and his might is greater. Come on. Anyway, we're out of time. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Come on, lift your hands to the unchanging God. And why don't you just let the unchanging God just, just wash over you and change you for a moment. Change you for a moment. Let him change you for a moment. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. Father, we don't want to look like the world. We want to look like heaven. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.